And now, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network presents Anthony Gizmondi and BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony. Hello, British Columbia. I'm Anthony Gismondi, and welcome to today's show. Wow, what a crazy weather week across British Columbia. Here in Vancouver, we saw cool temperatures, hail, snow in some parts, and uh, many of you listening across British Columbia got even more snow. Uh, I thought we were done, and I hope we're done. Uh, It looks like things are going to be calming down uh, for the Easter weekend. That'll be important for many British Climates are going to be gathering with their family this weekend uh, to celebrate Easter, I think, probably for the first time in three years with uh, more than a couple of people. So that'll be a nice. Uh, so make sure you have a nice bottle of wine prepared. Maybe uh, listening to today's show will inspire you to uh, grab something for the weekend. Hey, I do want to mention that if you would like to win a pair of tickets to the California Wine Experience on April 25th, they'll be at the Hyatt Regency Hotel in downtown Vancouver. You can visit gizmoneyonwine.com to enter. The contest closes at midnight, uh, April 18th. There are some limited tickets still available for purchase as well. You'll find those at calwine.ca. Now, uh, we're also extremely excited to be back on the road. Uh, many of you may have heard us earlier in the Cowichan. Uh, this week we're packing up for an extensive tour of BC wine country and we have got a long list of wine personalities to talk to uh, on the show as we operate uh, out of the South Okanagan in the Oliver Soyuz region. Just to give you an idea who's coming on the show, Burrowing Owl, Hester Creek, uh, man, I just had the uh, just had the Trebbiano from Hester Creek. Really, I just love that wine. Road 13, Great Syrah, Barche Brothers, making incredible Cab Franc, Liquidity, Amy Painter doing a great do- job with Chardonnay, French Door. We'll catch up with our with our old friend Pascal Madavon for an update there. Maverick, Asoyas La Rose. Uh, Liber Farms and a brand new one called Rainmaker. All of that is coming up uh, on next week's show as we come to you live from the South Okanagan. Now today, uh, lots to talk about, and we're going to start with Executive Chef uh, Melissa Craig. She joins us from the Barefoot Bistro in Whistler. We'll get a bit of background on uh, how Whistler... Uh, I say they're waking up, but they've been booming all winter with skiers, and they've been very busy. But there are new restaurants coming to uh, Whistler. Uh, I don't know the if you know, but uh, the last time I checked, there was over 125 restaurants in Whistler, which is an astounding number of uh, places to uh, stop by and have a bite to eat or a glass of wine. So uh, stick around for that. Melissa will talk about her new menu and some of the suppliers she's working with in the region around Whistler, Pemberton, uh, in particular, and of course, uh, all, all of uh, the wine. They have their wine list has won more awards uh, internationally than any other I can think of uh, in this region, including several from the Wine Spectator. So we'll cover all that off. Now, uh, from Calgary, uh, Semalier and Extraordinaire. Uh, Somalia extraordinaire Brad Royale joins us. He's going to talk a bit about the new BC Wine Grower Ambassador Program. Uh, Brad is teaching the second level uh, where you can really sort of sink your teeth into what's going on in BC wine country. Uh, Lots of great ideas there, including a blind tasting. So Brad is a wonderful teacher. I've known him for years. We'll also talk about his work uh, on the National um, Wine Awards. He's been a judge there for uh, several years. 
And uh, also, we'll explore the world of restaurant wine lists and how they're put together. But up next, the very interesting Jill Vidal. She's a sales director for U.S. and Canada Saber Glass. We're going to talk about wine bottles. We drink a lot of wine out of wine bottles, but do you ever think about that bottle, the size, the shape, the color, the weight? We'll cover all that off with Jill. Uh, and whether you can buy any at the moment around the world. All that and more is coming up. This is BC Food and Wine Radio. I'm Anthony Gismondi, and we're all set to go after these messages. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. Mount Boucherie Estate Winery and the Modest Butcher Restaurant are ready for spring. Featuring new exciting spring wine releases in the wine shop, along with delicious promotions in the Modest Butcher. Enjoy Burger and Blau Mondays, Tommy and Tannen Tuesdays, Happy Hour seven days a week, as well as the Modest Sunday Brunch, where sweatpants and sunglasses are encouraged. Spring is the thing at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery and the Modest Butcher Restaurant in West Kelowna. Your wine collection is your pride and joy. Years of searching and selecting has merited you an enviable list, but it's time to find a new home for some or all of your wine. As the only auction in Canada dedicated to fine wines and spirits, Iron Gate Auctions offers collectors a safe, inexpensive way to liquidate their collections online. They are experts in the field with the knowledge and acumen to maximize the return on your assets. To find out more, visit irongateauctions.com. Discover the good life right in your own backyard. Destination? The Watermark Beach Resort in beautiful Asuyus. Featuring spectacular views of Asuyus Lake, walking distance to shops, plus dining at the Watermark's very own 15 Park Bistro. And make sure to book your spring and summer travel now to avoid disappointment at the South Okanagan Resort that defines easy living. Visit watermarkbeachresort.com for full details and keep up to date on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The legend lives on. Three Finger Jack roamed the rugged, lawless gold country wilderness along the east ridge of Lodi in Old California, searching relentlessly for riches. The gold may be gone, but this wine, grown in the land where Jack rode, pays tribute to his outlaw nature. A bold Cabernet Sauvignon, truly worthy of that legendary name. Three Finger Jack, outlaw by nature. Discover the legend at a BC liquor store near you or visit threefingerjack.com. Now, back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock Hello, British Columbia from Bounce Radio and Oliver to AM 1150 Kelowna and all other 18 cities across the province listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Our first guest today is Jill Vidal. She's a U.S.-Canada sales director for Sabre Glass, a high-end maker and decorator of luxury glass bottles with plants in Europe, the Middle East, and here in North America. Uh, she joins us from California with an inside look at the manufacturing of wine bottles, and it's a real pleasure to uh, have you with us today, Jill. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks for having me. Uh, wine bottles, we don't think much about them while we're pouring wine out of them, but they're pretty important. So uh, let's start with supply. We hear all kinds of things going along, uh, on globally, uh, supply chains, uh, wars, unfortunately. What, what's, the, what's the current state of wine bottles on the, in the globe? It's a pretty difficult year for glass. Unfortunately, um, all the, the supply chain issues with, with uh, transportation coming from overseas and local supplies and everyone creating new brands 
through across the spirit and wine industry. It's been a very difficult year for, for glass supply, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, I imagine some people are hoarding, too. How can you tell if that's happening? Or uh, how, how can you distribute this glass equally? Very difficultly. So we, we definitely try to make sure that all of our historical customers are, are getting what they need. And we do have to ask a lot of questions to make sure that people aren't hoarding glass and putting things to the side or placing orders for glass they don't need. It is a, a very yeah. difficult task. And, and where is uh, Saber Glass making bottles at the moment, or where, where, where do you manufacture these bottles? So Saber Glass has six plants. We have three in France, one in Belgium, one in Dubai, and one in Mexico. And we're currently building a new furnace in Mexico that should be ready at the end of the year, trying to, of course, create more capacity for the, this influx of new, new needs. Yeah. And uh, for people who don't know, could you just quickly walk us through the process of making a wine bottle, or how, how long it takes, or what, what, what's involved? Yeah, so wine bottles are, are, are made with soda ash and sand. You need a lot of sand. And cullet, which is recycled glass. Um, since glass is 100% recyclable, the more recycled glass you put into the process, the less energy you need to use to manufacture them. So it is a very heavy industry. Um, fascinating one to see because it's molten glass being blown into a mold. So the process we use to make wine bottles is called a blow-and-blow process where you blow air into um, a gob of glass that then gets yep. transferred into a finishing mold to, to, to manufacture the bottle. So a very fascinating process. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you mentioned recycling. So we hear a lot about sustainability. How do they come together in uh, when it comes to wine bottles? And what should consumers know about uh, those words when as applied to wine bottles? So what's really important is to make sure that the person you're buying glass from, the company you're buying glass from, is working towards sustainable um, goals and and being you know being sure that the way the glass is manufactured that they're using as much recyclable content as possible that they're working towards CO2 emission reduction. Um, Saber Glass has put something in place to ensure that in 2050 that we'll be carbon neutral, which is uh, it's a difficult task, but it is definitely one yeah. we're working towards. And using hydrogen to manufacture bottles rather than natural gas, so there's lots of things to be put in place in order to be more and more sustainable. Hmm. And is there is there a, a certain weight now that a wine bottle should be or could be? How, how do you look at that? Like I hear different numbers, so many grams. How, how is that working? Yeah, so the difficulty is the less grams you put in the bottle, the less different you can make it look. So you're really taking away from um, the originality of the design by using right. less and less glass. If you don't have a thick glass wall, you're just gonna, every bottle's going to look the same, right? So the idea really yeah. is to not look, not focus just on a glass weight. Um, we would say for us, a lightweight bottle is 550 grams. Um, and as you go up, then you can you can create different shapes and and, uh, and deeper punts and things that make the bottle look interesting. So, uh, mm. of course, the, the the more you go towards the lightweight, the le- the, the more you you um, lose the original design, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, uh, and also the business changes so fast. Uh, people, you know, wines coming in and out of fashion, sizes, etc. And I'm interested in that. Uh, obviously, the 750 mil bottle or the 7, is it 735 maybe, uh, is the standard. But what about other sizes? Do they Are they coming and going? Like, what's popular at the moment? Yes, so many people are interested in a 375 in, um, in order to have a 
two glasses of wine with dinner if a person's alone. Yeah. Um, so those those formats have become very popular. If you're going to picnics, you can have different varietals of wine in a 375. That's become very popular. And also for larger events, for weddings, people are liking the big sizes like a 3-liter or 1.5-liter. Rosé mm. rose bottles, for example, um, are going a lot in the 1.5 size and the 3-liter size, as well as sparkling wines. And when we see those giant 6-liter bottles, are they done by hand or machine, or how, how does that work? They are made by machine. So we, we make up to a 6-liter, and that is a fully automated machine. For us, our capacity is the largest of a 6-liter. They, they become more and more difficult with all that, that huge glass gob. So we make yeah. those twice a year, and we make them all at the they same are- time. Someone who's manufactured those, we don't have any more production for six months because they are hard to right. make. Our guest is Jill Vidal. She's a sales director for Saver Glass U.S. and Canada. We're talking about wine bottles. One of my favorite things, uh, favorite bottles, are those that are embossed. Have you seen any uptake in that, or what? 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 What's happening with getting bottles embossed? Like I think that a place like the Okanagan could have an embossed bottle for the entire region. What, how does that work? Yeah, that would be a great idea, actually. So in France, they do that a lot. So different areas of France have their own. Um, their own embossing for their for their their varietals. Yeah. Um, here in the, in Napa Valley, for example, that has become very very common. So people will have either a base plate with their winery name embossed in the base plate, just the base plate, or a beautiful embossing of the family crest or of um, any kind of design on the bottle. Uh, it is very very popular here in the valley, and hopefully the Okanagan will decide to do some, yeah. some nice crusted bottles. Well, we've done some different things. Maybe you could talk a bit about Okanagan bottles, like, for instance, Checkmate, different bottle. Who who, who are you working with that has slightly different uh, off-the-mark bottles? Yeah, so Checkmate uses a, a short bottle called the Antic. It's a, it's a beautiful shape. We make it both in a Burgundy and a Bordeaux, and it definitely stands out on the shelf because it's, it's, you don't see that very often. It's a short bottle. Um, Mission yeah. Hill uses a heavy, um, a heavy bottle for their Oculus brand. That's a little bit out of the ordinary because it has a very deep punt. Um, yep. Echo Bay and Phantom Creek, they use uh, an Eleanor bottle with a nice sloping shoulder. It just has a, a very sleek design. Um, and Tantalus uses one of our flutes that's very elegant, very tall and elegant. So you do notice yeah. the flavor last sheen on the bottles. They, they shine because it's a, the process and the finishing um, coatings that we put on the glass make the glass very, very shiny. Yeah. Well, that leads me to color itself. What, what about color? It's, it's in, you know, we hear about light-struck wines that need to be protected from light. What, what, how do you work with colors and glasses? And what's the? Do you have a wide range that people can choose from? So we do have several colors. Um, of course, the antique green color is one of the classic colors. The champagne green from from you know back in the day, the, the old world used champagne green a lot. But the but really the antique green does allude to, you know, very high-end wines, and it is yeah. darker in color. So we're seeing, we're seeing that the dead leaf green color is kind of disappearing from the range because wine does get light struck, in fact, through that. And the darker and heavier, the thicker the glass wall is, the more protective the glass is. So we're seeing a lot of whites going into anti-green rather than the dead leaf green. Wow. Uh, it's really fascinating to talk about wine bottles with you. And, and uh, well, I hope that we get some semblance of order in uh, this uh, 2022 season so people get the bottles they need. Of course, many people are bottling all the time, so uh, I guess time is of the essence. It's been great to talk with you, Jill. Uh, and I guess for people looking for wine glasses, say for our listeners' uh, wineries, they can just contact Saver Glass directly or go online and uh, check uh, check out the bottles. 
Absolutely. Come for us for some custom glass to get some nice crusted glass or for putting your, your embossing in, in the base. It would be amazing to get some more Okanagan custom bottles. Right on. Thanks so much, Jill. Great to catch up with you. Maybe we'll meet up sometime in the Valley. Yes, absolutely, Anthony. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you're very welcome. That was Jill Vidal. She's the sales director of Sabre Glass U.S. Canada. Still to come, Whistler Barefoot Bistro Chef Melissa Craig. Our show is available weekly on 20 radio stations across British Columbia or on demand on all the major podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple. This is BZ Food & Wine Radio. I'm Anthony Gismondi. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is BC Food & Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. Taste the flavors of the season at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Their heated patio is open with more space for you to dine safely. So come enjoy a menu showcasing ingredients from their on-site culinary garden. Pair your meal with a new release Summerhill wine for an extraordinary organic experience. The flavors of the season are in abundance at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Online, summerhill.bc.ca. It doesn't have to be alcohol to be rock and roll. It just has to be naughty. Bring the party with Naughty from Thompson and Scott. Beautifully crafted, organic, vegan, alcohol-free sparkling wines that have taken the drinks industry by storm. Beautiful bubbles. No alcohol, no compromise. So go ahead, get naughty. You've got nothing to lose but your preconceptions of what alcohol-free can be. Visit softcrush.ca for more details. The legend lives on. Three Finger Jack roamed the rugged, lawless gold country wilderness along the east ridge of Lodi in Old California, searching relentlessly for riches. The gold may be gone, but this wine, grown in the land where Jack rode, pays tribute to his outlaw nature. A bold Cabernet Sauvignon, truly worthy of that legendary name. Three Finger Jack, outlaw by nature. Discover the legend at a BC liquor store near you or visit threefingerjack.com. Penticton, the hub of the South Okanagan, a place where you'll learn to fall in love with winter all over again. Enjoy mountain adventures. Visit almost 100 wineries, craft breweries, cideries, and distilleries, and experience world-class locally sourced restaurants. It's the perfect destination for a relaxing winter getaway. But before you go, make sure to check the website for updates on weather, highways, health advisories, or for more trip inspiration. Go to visitpenticton.com. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. American woman, Hello, British Columbia, and uh, welcome back to the show. Those of you joining us now, we are catching up with Melissa Craig. She's the executive chef at Barefoot Bistro, uh, an iconic restaurant in the Whistler area and a mainstay of the restaurant scene up there. Melissa, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, it's great to talk to you. Uh, we are, I, I think all of us are happy to be uh, bursting out of this uh, pandemic and uh, wanting to get out and see places again. So I thought we'd start with Whistler. Give us a brief overview. What's Whistler look like today and how, how is it uh, emerging from the pandemic? Um, it's been uh, it's been great. Um, people everywhere. It's uh, stronger than ever. So it, it's You've great had, to see. Yeah. And what about the food scene in Whistler? Is it is it uh, strong as ever? 
Uh, yeah, it sure is. There's um, obviously top table expanding and making bar also a bit bigger, um, as well as our new competition across the street coming to oh, town. Oh, yeah? So Who's Wild that? Blue. Oh, yeah, Wild Blue. Yeah. Yeah, wow. so we're excited about that for sure. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, well, let's get to the Barefoot Bistro. I mean, you've been known uh, for many, many years now uh, for doing the spectacular, for uh, creating spectacles and doing all kinds of things. Is that going to continue this uh, this summer and this year at the Barefoot? Most definitely. Yeah, it's been, um, yeah, it's for me, it's been, I'm going on to my 18th year. So it's mm. been a while, and yeah, we're looking forward to uh to being busy again and creating and yeah, yeah always it's always a changing team up here so well i'm all yeah i'm always interested in, in how chefs think i mean i've been i've been writing about wine for 40 years and uh, people say don't do you ever get enough of it and i say well it's different every year and the wines are different all the time so it's it's easy to stay focused how, how, what is it like to be a chef and to to roll out uh, food every year how do you do how do you look at that um, I think <clears throat> obviously working with the same products, products don't yeah. change too much. Um, things are done a bit better, like as far as like local farms and suppliers. Yeah. Um, it's great working with the farms because you can request like specifics and and things like that. Um, no. It never yeah. gets boring for me. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, I want to stick with those suppliers for a minute. So, how how has that changed? Say over the eighteen years that you've been working there, what what what's happening with suppliers in the region there? Well, there's a lot more, definitely. Um, and like I said, they're like custom growing, custom mm-hmm. growing for us. Um, I go a lot, obviously, towards Pemberton and and Lillooet area. Um, and then sticking with a lot of uh, local meats, meats and things from Fraser Valley. Yeah. Um, and then obviously I get a lot of things from Quebec, but uh, North Arm Farm definitely they deliver a couple times a week. Um, Root Down Farm they're just coming out with their fresh spring greens right now, and fiddlehead and stinging nettles. And, um, yeah, it's great working with them. And, and and when you say you do custom, or they do custom stuff, so can can you give me an idea of what what one of those items might be, or what what's custom? Um, yeah, like I was asking, I remember back in my Sioux Carver House days, we would work with because we grew everything there. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember working with like uh, daikon radish pods, like the pods from the from the plant, right. so the seeds, and I it, it kind of looks like an edamame. Uh, pod and I asked them to grow it for me and they did and harvested it and it was uh it's great like um so that's just kind of one custom thing I remember when North Arm was trying to grow burdock roots for me and kind of they did the research to figure out how they do grow it in China because that's where it comes from and that you do grow it with with steak so it grows straight otherwise it's a pain to work with (laughs) and so they actually figured that out that way and you know just working with them and discovering new things 
Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. Hey, our guest is Melissa Craig. She's the executive chef at the Barefoot Bistro. It's been a mainstay in Whistler for almost 20 years. It's uh, it's also won a spot on Canada's top 100 restaurants list, and it's the only Whistler restaurant to do so. So you may want to check that out uh, when you're in the Whistler area. Uh, let's talk a bit about, because uh, uh, for a long time, the Barefoot Bistro has also been well known for its extensive wine list. Uh, so how does all that work with you? Do you do, do, does the wine come to you? Do you go to the wine? How does it work in, in terms of the menu and, and, and the things that you put together? Um, obviously, it's a playground for me. Um, and we've had, uh, you know, quite a few amazing sommeliers come, come through. And so the way I work with them, I, I come up with a dish mm-hmm. normally, and we'll talk about the wine. Maybe that's how I used to do it. Now I really think about the progression of a meal, um, yep. especially with the tasting menu. I always know, like I could tell you right now, I'm going to start with a bubble for sure. Right. For a bouche and then go into a white, go into a Chardonnay, go into a Pinot Noir kind of idea, something bigger mm-hmm. for a main. So that's kind of how I would work it. And then I share the dish with the psalm and they would, they come up with, like Luke will come up with what he thinks. Yeah, it would fit in that type. Yeah, and it's a nice progression. I do like throwing some sake in there, um, uh, cocktail pairings, like we're getting a bit more into that. Mm -hmm. And also non-alcoholic pairings. Yeah, that seems to be big with people, too. Mm-hmm. We haven't gotten into the tea pairing thing yet, but I think that's next. <laughs> that's next. Uh, cool. Well, uh, just before we leave that, I thought, uh, and I don't want to put you on the spot, is there something that you've learned about wine today, say that, you know, 15 years ago you didn't even think about, uh, and now you, you know, it's part of the way that you, you work with wine and food? Um. I well, learning about wine, like in the beginning, you know, either pairing with contrast or similarities, I didn't really understand. Right. At the beginning, but now I definitely, you know, if you want to play a bit with something as simple as oak, with a right. nice oaky chardonnay, like that's mm. possible too. As yeah, far as always going a contrast. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's overlooked too. Like lobster and butter and oak is you know kind of works together for me, uh, yeah. but I can I can go in the exact opposite direction too with a lot of acidity. So that's that I think that is a a maturing palate sort of thing. People as you experiment through life. Uh, well, I wanted to talk to you uh, a little bit about. Uh, what inspires you to cook food now every, I mean, we started talking about that at the start, but, you know, back again for another year in cooking. What are some of the things that inspire you to be in that kitchen? Um, <clears throat> it's most definitely the freedom that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say most importantly, it's, it is the staff that I surround myself with. I love getting young apprentices or young cooks in Mm-hmm. And I get their ideas. I get their creativity going. And for me, it makes me think back. And, you know, some of the some of the things that they come up with are brilliant, but just not quite there to execute. Yeah. So I definitely, I can work on how to execute and tweak it so it works. But having having these young cooks around 
is what keeps me inspired. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. I think that's getting youth in. Sometimes we overlook that. We think, well, they don't have any experience, but they have new ideas, and and maybe one of the things we lack most in food and wine are new ideas uh, mm-hmm. because uh, not that there's anything wrong with some classic dishes, but it is fun to to uh, to strike out a bit like that. Uh, well, it's easy to get stuck in stuck in your ways because yeah. I'm always a, a classic, especially you know with caviar service and things like that. I right. definitely want it to be classic, but I do get pushed with different oh, ideas great. to do the opposite. Uh, Okay, Melissa, before we let you go, if you were to explain the Barefoot uh, Bistro ethos or someone say, well, what kind of a restaurant is it? What would how, how would you describe the Barefoot to people today? I would say it, um, I would talk about the entire experience. So it's, mm-hmm. it's like a culinary journey or a, <clears throat> I would almost sometimes call it an amusement park, but you come here not just for the meal, not just for the wine. It's everything combined. It's first yeah. starting with uh, sabering, with our nitro martini trolley, uh, visit to the vodka room, um, nitro ice cream at the end. Like it's definitely you come here for your three to four wow. hours and can be entertained the whole time. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, and I think. You know, in many ways, it puts you way ahead of wineries who are only just discovering that people want to have an experience uh, and, a, and a story when they go, uh, when they visit a property like that. And, and you you guys have been killing that for quite a while. Melissa, thanks so much for joining us today. A real pleasure to catch up with you. And I can't wait to get back up to Whistler, hopefully uh, now, this spring, and uh, while I have a few moments. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Great. Melissa Craig, she's the executive chef at the Barefoot Bistro in Whistler. Up next, Brad Royale. Talk to us about why you should take the BC Wine Growers Ambassador Program. This is BC Food and Wine Radio. I'm Anthony Gismondi. We'll be right back. There's lots more still ahead. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Claude de Soleil Winery knows that the best wines keep it simple. It's all about the grapes and the place where they are grown. Minimal handling, minimal intervention, maximum beauty in the bottle. Nestled in a sunny, stony corner of BC's Similkameen Valley, Claude de Soleil produces wines that blend the best of Bordeaux varieties with their unique terroir. The result? Wines that are elegant and effortlessly special. Tastings by appointment or buy online at clodesoleil.ca. Free shipping to BC and Alberta on orders of six or more bottles. Sun, water, soil. Organically farmed and made in collaboration with Mother Nature. Liver Farms terroir-focused small lot wines capture the essence of the Okanagan and Similkameen Valleys. Join the wine club and receive delivery of award-winning wines and new releases in spring and fall, plus early access to library wines, complimentary tastings, and more. Visit them this spring to taste in their spacious covered wine garden in Asuyas. Discover more at LiberFarm.com. Simply great wines. Take a break from the hustle and bustle of the city and relax in the beautiful South Okanagan. Get outside and enjoy fantastic wine and culinary offerings throughout the region. You'll find over 180 of BC's finest wineries. From the Naramata Bench to Summerland's Bottleneck Drive to Oliver Asuyus Wine Country. But before you go, make sure to check the website for updates on weather, highways, health advisories, or for more trip inspiration. Go to visitsouthokanagan.com.
Today's real estate landscape is fast-paced and complex. Now more than ever, whether you're a buyer or a seller, it's vital to work with a professional real estate company like Remax. Lean into their experience, local market knowledge, and connections. They are your market experts and are excited to help you make your dreams a reality. The right agents for today's market are at Remax with offices in Summerland, Penticton, and Asuyus. Call or visit them at YourSouthOkanaganHome.com. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Now, here's Anthony. Hello, British Columbia. We're back with a special shout-out to Bounce Radio Terrace and all 19 other cities across the province. Our next guest is a National Wine Awards Canada judge. is sommelier. He's a consultant to the restaurant industry. Uh, well, he's just done about everything you could do, uh, and he's even making wine, too. So there you go. He's speaking to us today, though, as a facilitator for the BC Wine Growers Ambassador Program, and we're really happy to have Brad Royale from Calgary with us uh, on the line. Brad, how are you? Good, Tony. Good. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on the show. This is great. Yeah. Well, it's been a while since I've seen you. How are things in Calgary? Uh, everything uh, moving along? Yeah, they're good. They're good. Calgary's kind of bumping along at a, a nice little pace right now, which is great. Um, well, yeah, you know, there's a nice little bit of energy in the city, which is good. Nice to that's that. great. Well, we're shoveling snow here, uh, so uh, <laughs> we're, we're <laughs> oh, thinking about you. <laughs> these get yeah. pretty sticky when it snows in vancouver i think yeah uh well brad uh, for people who don't know you you have a long history of uh of helping people learn about wine uh teaching wine understanding wine and working in wine and so uh how did you end up to become a bc wine growers ambassador well i think a lot of it started really with through uh, the national wine awards of canada um being a judge with, with that organization and, and prior to that with, with wine access really gave me a lot of exposure to um, a lot of Canadian wine, all of it, in mm -hmm. fact, yep. uh, and just really broadened my, my eyes about what the Canadian wine industry is, how big, how rich um, it is in diversity, um, and really got my attention to it and really liked to explore it. So I started spending a bit more time, uh, certainly in BC, being located in Calgary, uh, yeah. a, little, a little easier, faster to get to than Ontario, for sure. Um, so I started spending a lot of time in BC and, and touring through wineries, um, and then eventually end up with the uh, the wine growers of BC um, acting as a as an ambassador educator for them. Mm. It's a uh, it's for me. It's kind of a normal route. Uh, sometimes people don't understand uh, that you, uh, like I, have come from a different world of wine, from an international world. Uh, with you know extremely high standards and great wines and and knowing a lot about a lot of different regions uh, and then bringing that back to BC it took you know for me it took a long time to you know to settle into BC wines because I kept waiting for them to get up to that standard where they were interesting uh, you know at all levels so it was that the same for you in in some ways yeah, oh, very, very much so, very much so. I mean, I think, you know, I remember, you know, fondly, you know, judging wine with uh, with you, you know, back in the early wine access days where we would have, you know, oh 30 glasses of Merlot in front of us, <laughs> <laughs> you know, from the entire country. And yeah. you'd be sifting through them trying to, you know, trying to find something that was amazing in there. And it was it was a bit of a diamond in the rough for a lot yep. of those early years to, to find something that had qualitative 
uh, promise to it was balance that had varietal and, and certainly regional characteristic, characteristics that were identifiable. And it took a, it really did take a long time. There was a lot of, um, well, I mean, frankly, disappointing wines, <laughs> you know, yeah. throughout a lot of those years. So it was a bit of a struggle for a long time to, to find, um, you know, Canada's uh, voice in wine, where we sure. were singing to our own tune and where we were being able to, to make wine that was identifiable with, with Canada. But, you know, it came around, though. No, it's not that long a time. It's it's like if you think about yeah. Bordeaux, it took that took a long time. That did, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I always say to people, I wonder what the first you know fifty years of Bordeaux tasted like. Probably the first hundred and fifty, probably not so great. But uh, well, there you have it. So let's get to the ambassador program. So it's set up. I I know that uh, you're working. Uh, you've been working with trade. It's also going to be. Uh, there, there is going to be a portion for consumers too. So what what is it? Why why should we get involved? The uh, people listening today to the show. What what can the, what are some of the things that are going to uh, help them understand uh, British Columbia wine. Yeah, right now the course is it's two classes. There's the first one, which is an online version. So you register online, you can take it from home, uh, which is quite handy. And that that class is is really designed at just really uh, broadening the viewpoint of what BC wine is. So it's uh, kind of a bit of an right. overview of that the areas of where we would find wine takes you into areas where maybe you don't necessarily think about a little bit like Salt Spring or Pender Islands, um, Cowichan Valley on Vancouver Island to Fraser Valley. Most people just typically think about Okanagan, which is fair because yeah. it produces the vast majority of the wine. So it's a fair fair understanding why that is. But it really kind of takes you through a lot of the growing areas. And mm-hmm. then typically talks a little bit about where the where specific grapes are grown. Uh, very handy as a consumer. You know, if you really enjoy Riesling, then now you know to, to look around East Kelowna there's some great stuff up there for it yeah um that's level one and then level two goes quite a bit further in depth into some of the new sub gis uh sub geographical indicated zones uh, in bc which is very exciting um a bit more into kind of a uh, bit more technical wine uh making and certainly a little bit more into the geology of mm-hmm. british columbia and how it was formed and uh and why it matters so much yeah uh, well, I think that's, you know, part of the, the you know, getting these sub-GIs done was quite a struggle, but get, having them now, I think, is useful. Even, I always tell people, even if you don't understand the geology yet, at least you know where the wine's coming from, and you can start to, you know, connect the dots slowly, uh, whether you know that it's sand or volcanic or rock or whatever underneath, that's another tool, but at least if you know that it's from Okanagan Falls or East Kelowna, they're going to be different just because of uh, the distance and the temperatures and, you know, the way things work in those areas. So I think sub-GIs have been useful. Uh, people think it can complicate things. Are you happy with the, the way they've rolled that out? Oh, I'm so happy. It's about time. Holy smokes. <laughs> I, uh, I think it's... Absolutely marvelous that we we progressed in this way. It's so good. Um, you know, when we look at the Okanagan Valley from, you know, anyone who's driven from Lake Country, just north of Kelowna, all the way down to Osoyoos, like it can take you a yeah. couple hours to drive down there. It's a big, sure. long range. Uh, and it's filled with different aspects and, you know, whether you're on the east side or the west side of the lake and elevation. So, I mean, there's an amazing array of, of diversity in there and for the longest time it just got lumped into this one 
Okanagan Valley label. Um, you know, you and I, for sure, like to the, the National Wine Awards, have championed dividing this up so that we can get a bit of a better profile um, mm-hmm. about what the Valley has to offer. And right. so to see this actually take place now is, is amazing. And I think they're going about it in a really smart way. They are looking at kind of geographical boundaries, um, maybe a bit more as opposed to like a marketing standpoint to it, which right. is great. Um, lots of really solid foundation for where they're putting these boundaries. Uh, Our guest, yeah, thanks. Our guest is Brad Royale, and we're talking about the BC Wine Growers Ambassador Program. Talking just a bit about these sub GIs. So, in the second course, it's a what is it? A two or three hour thing? And Brad is probably one. You make it four because uh, you love to talk about (laughs) wine. Or, (laughs) but uh, is is it a one day shot or a two day shot? Or how, how? What's the what's the investment in time? I guess. It's scheduled for two. I think I, I typically make it three. <laughs> yeah, that's good because <laughs> I can get pretty chit chatty um, yeah. during it. So it's a, it's a you know it's a great afternoon or a morning process to it. Um, yeah, just a few hours. Uh, the second program is quite nice in that there's a tasting component to it, um, a blind tasting component. So we typically taste through four different grapes: um, Riesling, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Syrah. You know, the four um, most prominent grapes, you know, that we we produce at British Columbia. Um, And then we'll compare one version from BC with two versions uh, from different wine regions around the world. Um, Mm -hmm. For example, if it's Riesling, we'll taste some BC Riesling versus an Alsatian example and probably a German or maybe Australian example. Yeah, nice. Um, I like that. Yeah, which is great. Then we can kind of survey the class, see where... Everyone stands, usually a little show of hands, who thinks, you know, which wine is from where, um, which wine is Canadian, I guess. Um, and it's a real eye-opener for people, um, you know, when they start tasting these wines side-by-side side with some of the, the great examples of these. We really walk away from that class understanding that we are one of the great wine regions of the world. Mm-hmm. We produce world-class wine um, now, for sure we do. Um, and that class is a great job of demonstrating that. Yeah. Our guest is Brad Royal. Now, Brad, you're going to stick around. Uh, we, I want to come back and talk about a few more things with you about BC Wine uh, because you're so knowledgeable and because you're out there uh, in a marketplace that uh, uh, for years has drunk a lot of California Cabernet Sauvignon, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but, <laughs> but things are changing. So uh, I hope you hold on. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Brad Royale. Uh, to talk more about the BC Wine Growers Ambassador Program and about uh, BC Wine in general and, and how it's doing in Alberta. I'm Tony Gismondi. You're listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. Refreshing, relaxing, romantic. Get away to Therapy Vineyards and stay at their modern, comfortable, and spacious boutique inn. Experience your moment of awe from the balcony of your room while taking in the panoramic views of the vineyards and Okanagan Lake. Capture the essence of the grape-growing season while luxuriating at your home base for wine tours. Oh, and did we mention award-winning wines? Book your relaxing retreat or perfect couples getaway today at therapyvineyards.com. The legend lives on. 
Three-Finger Jack roamed the rugged, lawless gold country wilderness along the east ridge of Lodi in Old California, searching relentlessly for riches. The gold may be gone, but this wine, grown in the land where Jack rode, pays tribute to his outlaw nature, a bold Cabernet Sauvignon, truly worthy of that legendary name, Three-Finger Jack, outlaw by nature. Discover the legend at a BC liquor store near you or visit threefingerjack.com. Penticton, the hub of the South Okanagan, a place where you'll learn to fall in love with winter all over again. Enjoy mountain adventures. Visit almost 100 wineries, craft breweries, cideries, and distilleries, and experience world-class locally sourced restaurants. It's the perfect destination for a relaxing winter getaway. But before you go, make sure to check the website for updates on weather, highways, health advisories, or for more trip inspiration. Go to visitpenticton.com. BC Food and Wine Radio wants you to join them at the 43rd Vancouver International Wine Festival, May 16th to 22nd. For a free international festival tasting ticket worth up to $129, book a downtown hotel via stayvancouverhotels.com by May 6th. Details are at vanwinefest.ca. Limited supply, so book now. Come see Anthony Giswandi talking with fine stars in the tasting room at the Vancouver International Wine Festival, May 16th to 22nd. Don't wine and drive. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Now, here's Anthony. Hello, British Columbia. Uh, we're back with a special shout-out to uh, all the Bounce radio stations across the province. Um, our guest is Brad Royale. Now, we've been talking about the BC Wine Ambassador Program. By the way, winebc.com uh, slash industry slash uh, BC Wine Ambassador Program. You can go to that site to get all the information. And uh, as Brad was telling us earlier, you can sign up and do the first level online, which is kind of fun just to get your feet wet before you go into uh, one of the more intense classes. Brad, I want to talk to you because we met, uh, the, the real reason we met was you were a, uh, quite an important buyer uh, and still are an important buyer of wine in Alberta for a number of different restaurants uh, at the time, and we wanted you to be part of our panel because uh, uh, my I selfishly thought people who are buying wine need to taste a lot of BC wine all in one shot to get a feeling uh, for what's going on. Has it been useful for you to be at the National Wine Awards now for, well, well more than a decade, I, I guess. I haven't counted them all up, but it's a lot. Oh, <laughs> it is a lot. <laughs> it's been amazing. Oh, yeah, hugely important for me as a buyer, like hugely important to be able to. Um, the competition itself, the National Wine Awards of Canada, is, is amazing. I mean, I think last year there was like over 1,800 entries into it. So over the course of five days, each judge will typically taste about 100 wines a day, 80 to 100 or so typically. Yep. Yep. Um, and it's all done blind. Uh, so you really are looking for qualitative uh, identifiers through those to, to highlight the best examples of those wines. And by mm -hmm. the end of the week, you walk away, A, having a really beautiful overview of where the, the country is at that particular moment in time for, for wine. Um, but as a buyer, I can then look back at my notes later and buy all the best stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Before everybody else. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which which will be really important in the next couple of years with all the shortages. But uh well, I've been railing about wineless 
lately because I don't mind. I think it, that your wine list should be your wine list. But frankly, I'd like to have four or five wines that are sort of touchstone wines on my list. That I'm just, you know, it's Wednesday night and I want a bottle of Chablis and I, there's nothing on the list. Or I want a bottle of, you know, BC Syrah and it's not there. How how, how do you construct wine lists and how do you manage to juggle all the needs of, of customers plus your wants and, and uh, maybe the pressure to have a, an award-winning list? Yeah, um, you know, I think always the best wine lists are usually the ones that are, are, are the most balanced, you know, that do offer that nice range of, of price points where you can go in on a Wednesday and have uh, a casual bottle of Chablis for, you know, 75 bucks. Um, and where you do get a coverage of range, you don't necessarily have to have every great variety from every region, but you need no. to have a range of, of style um, to offer a guest so that when a guest comes in and wants something that's really floral and aromatic and quite juicy and fun that you have something in there, whether it be maybe um, maybe a bit of Gamay from BC or perhaps a bit of, you know, some Pias from Chile or something, something along those lines that is just stylistically going to satisfy the guest. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the best is always have that nice balance component to it and are accessible. There's nothing worse than going out to a restaurant and finding that everything is, you know, $150 up. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like in the bottle program, it just yeah, and two wines at forty dollars, and then it jumps to ninety, and then the rest are one hundred and thirty each, and it's it's crazy. Uh, yeah. I want to know how you navigate in Alberta because, of course, in Alberta there's a lot of beef, and the stereotype is you know big red <laughs> wines and beef. How have you managed to to coax people to drink BC wines? And what what are you doing with beef and BC wines in Alberta? Well, for beef, certainly we. Uh, I take people to Syrah um, yep. first and foremost. With if they're looking for that big red style, um, it is funny people do ask to, to shop from BC, and we're like looking for Cabernet Sauvignon. Like, what's the best Cabernet Sauvignon in BC that you have? And that answer to me is always none. Yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah. don't. I don't. Uh, yeah, with all respect, much. yes, none. Yeah, yeah, none because they make such great Syrah. And that Syrah is really going to be the most satisfying uh, bottle because we make world-class Syrah. We make okay Cabernet Sauvignon, but yeah. make some of the best Syrah on the planet. So I try to, I'll typically try to move in that way. Um, and usually they're satisfied, usually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're, you're also, you have also become a, a, a wine producer in a limited way. Can you tell us a little bit about that, that experience with, I believe it's Kitten Swish is the label? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I started Kitten Swish in 2012, um, was our first release, um, as a, a micro-negotiant. So um, I live and work in Calgary, but I'll partner with a winery um, somewhere who I, I like their product, and then we'll we'll design a product together that I will then label under my Kitten Swish label, and then I'll mm-hmm. bring it into the market, typically into the uh, Alberta and BC markets. Um, we released, I've released 30, 31 labels so far, which is pretty wow. cool. Wow. Yeah, so that's pretty fun. And the last yeah. one was from BC. I made some tiquette with Reese Pender of Little <laughs> All right. We made some Chardonnay together. It was very gnarly, very gnarly, yeah. but delicious. It's pro- it was probably more fun to make it than drink it, I think. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll bring well, you a bottle. We'll taste one together. 
Yeah, you've actually done some uh, some collaborations, a number of collaborations in BC. By the way, I'm speaking with Brad Royal. Uh, he's in Calgary. He's an ambassador of the BC Wine Program, but also a well-known uh, sommelier and consultant. And we're talking about his kitten swish labels. Uh, did did you not do one with uh, the Laughing Stock folks? We did. Yeah, I made Cabernet Franc with with David and Cynthia Ends. Yeah. Um, when they were owners of Laughingstock, which was a really important project for me. Um, you know, it kind of relates back to the National Wine Awards of Canada um, tastings in that we produce a lot of really beautiful Cabernet Franc, uh, in particular in B.C. And I felt that the examples I was tasting, they were always quite um, pushed. They were really extracted and um, had a certain amount of, of wood influence to them. And I always thought that mm-hmm. it was a little bit prettier that and would be a better example if you made it in just a lighter bit more delicate um yeah lighter hand i know what you style. mean yeah and so i proposed that to david and he really quite liked the idea so we produced three vintages of whole cluster uh, fermented cabernet franc that we would age in uh older barrels just for just slightly under a year and they produce these really lovely very pretty floral uh violet tinge style wines that we're really happy with Hmm. Uh, well, I don't want to let you go without talking a bit about some of your favorite BC wines. If if we were to ask you about a Chardonnay or a Cabernet Franc or a Red Blend, what what would you come up with from British Columbia at the moment that you're really enjoying? Yeah, some um, some producers I've been really really loving lately is uh, Meyer family. Yeah, Jack and uh, his winemaker Chris have done just an absolutely mind blowing job of harvesting uh, that, that vineyard, the McLean Creek Road Vineyard, with yeah. Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. So great, they yeah. just continuously get better and better, um, mm-hmm. and they were already world-class years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, their 2019 McLean Creek Pinot Noir is absolutely crazy. dynamite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Along with the Chardonnay label, super good, really, really tasty wines, um, and really well-priced for the yep. quality that you get. Yeah. Um, Definitely worth a visit if anybody's out in the Okanagan Falls um, area, for sure. They do such a good job. Um, up around Kelowna, Spearhead, um, yes. also make some really fantastic Pinot Noir. They do such a good job up there. Yeah. Uh, and a uh, white Pinot Noir, which is kind of fun. Yeah, they do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is pretty fun. They have a nice little supple, soft uh, white wine that they produce there, which is really quite good. What about um, the Smilkameen? Any Anybody there? Well, I love Reese Pender's wines, obviously. Yeah. He does such a good job at Little L- Farm. He's got a little, little farm. five-acre vineyard planted around a little mulberry tree. Um, <laughs> and produces Riesling and then a bit of Chardonnay there. Has a bit of calcium carbonate on his property. Quite flat, but produces really um, salty um, yeah. wines with really lovely, inherent, gritty texture to them. They're quite beautiful. Um, Smilkameen Valley, definitely an under, underutilized valley for people to go check out. Such a beautiful property out there um, in yeah, general. Yeah, so, so I mean, wild. and Yeah, I love how wild it is. It is, yeah, for sure. Um, and up around Summerland, um, if you yeah. haven't had the wines from Lightning Rock. Uh, oh, yeah. They are absolutely screamingly delicious um, mm-hmm. and, again, very well-priced. They've got an excellent sparkling program. Uh, and their Syrah and Pinot Noir are delicious. They're great. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Brad, we thank you uh, for joining us today and all your expertise, and uh, 
uh, the ambassador program is off to a great start, and with people like you teaching it, I think uh, you're going to infect a lot of people in the trade. Uh, it would be nice to maybe push you out to Toronto and Montreal and uh, tell that story as well. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> you're up for a trip, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Brad, thanks so much for joining us today and for your time. I know you're busy. Uh, it was great to catch up. We'll see you at the National Wine Awards in June in uh, Niagara. That's awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Tony. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, no problem. You're very welcome. Hey, that's it for this week's show. If you're interested in becoming a BC Wine Ambassador, visit winebc.com uh, for all those details. Special thanks to our technical producer here in Vancouver, Dwayne Bishop. And don't forget, next week we'll be on the road broadcasting from Burrowing Isle Estate in Oliver, B.C. For all of us at the show, I'm Anthony Gismondi, wishing you a relaxing Easter weekend with the family uh, across the entire B.C. Food & Wine radio network. That's it for today's show. This is B.C. Food & Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. 